Welcome back to Ralston Live. I'm John Ralston, your host. And today we are fortunate to have on the show Eva Monheim. This is a subject I know nothing about, so uh, I'd love to have people on the show uh, to teach me things. Uh, so Eva, welcome to the show and thanks for teaching me a few things today. Thank you, John. I'm delighted to be here. It's, it's great. Now, uh, in a nutshell, what's, what's important about um, trees in general? I know they're a source of oxygen for us and probably part of the reason why we're here at all. Uh, well, trees are important because we, we have them all around us and yet we don't really see them. We just take them for granted. And they do have an important role to play, not only in preventing flooding, providing us oxygen, but also shading us and giving us shelter when we need it, uh, providing habitat for animals, and the list goes on. But most importantly, people don't realize that the perception of trees in a neighborhood makes people feel safe. Uh, in a community where there are no trees, people don't feel safe. And that science was studied way back in the 1980s um, when um, Ulrich and Kaplan and Kaplan were doing studies. And they, they found that if they took a, a apartment building in the city, had one that had trees around it and the other one that didn't have trees around it, they discovered that the one that didn't have trees around it had more transients uh, living in their place that, you know, they would come and go, they wouldn't stay very long. Uh, there was a perception of not being safe. And then um, when you went to the building that had trees, it seemed that people would linger longer outside. They would talk to their neighbors. The, tr the, the building that didn't have trees, that didn't happen. It just so seems like, it seems more like home when there are trees around. Right, well, you also we also have learned, and I was watching a show last night about um, on on channel 12 about plants and their integral part. Darwin said this year during his time that trees are communal, plants are communal. And people laughed at him. They said that, you know, they don't have brains, what do they know? But they're finding out that plants communicate and trees in particular, when they're in a community, they're actually sending energy waves to one another. They can send out chemical receptor information to another tree to say, hey, I'm being attacked, get your poisons ready. Um, that kind of thing happens or the, it, the interconnectivity between the roots that are constantly making uh, connection and sending messages to one another. This is really important for us as human beings because we live in communities, we actually emulate what is around us. We may not be aware of that, but we emulate what's around us. And those are sort of um, recent findings that uh, these trees are communicating with each other. I mean, they knew a little bit about it. I guess they're finding more about this each year. Well, and that's true. They're, they're finding out that uh, a tree that has a disease, for example, will uh, let its neighbor know that it is not feeling well. It'll wow. send energy through its roots. Wow. And in fact, um, when we had the um, Dutch elm disease, and the streets were lined with Dutch elm. What people didn't realize is their roots were so interconnected that 
when one tree died off, the energy was sent and also the disease actually tra was transmitted through the root system. So we lost all of our trees that were, and if there was, wow. a, if there was another tree in between, that tree might protect the other ones from getting the disease. So think about it that way, you know, there's somebody who is, or various species that might not get a disease that protects another species from getting a disease so, through the root system. So um, there's a good example of this at uh, Longwood Gardens. There's a American elm tree that stands there right at the entrance as you come through the visitor center. One of the big old elms that was left from the alley and it sits on a that's okay. It sits on a corner. And the reason why that one survived and the other ones didn't was all the other ones had interconnective roots. The one that was all sitting on the opposite corner with no other trees around it survived. And so there's a good case in point where you can actually see that um, sometimes having a big community all interconnected could also, like we're seeing now with COVID, can transmit disease because when we come together, we're interchanging our um, our energies and our our um, our spit really coming out of our mouths, and so that's how we can connect connect with someone else and get a disease. That's Plants very don't. interesting. See, I knew I knew I had a winner on my hands when I was bringing you on here, <laughs> and. Uh, it, 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 in fact, uh, you have a lot of things going on as far as uh, you have your own podcast and you have a new book. Let's talk about the new book, first of all. Oh, I have it right here. I thought I would show it. Sure, to you. sure, sure. That's what we're here Called, for. Um, Shrubs and Hedges, and it's put out by Cool Springs Press. Uh, it came out on March 3rd. And uh, I had two book signings before COVID, which was, uh, which was opportune. Uh, but the book itself has been in, in the process of being made for at least uh, six years. And in this book, it takes all the questions that I've had from students over the years, because I used to teach at Temple University as a professor there. And I would get all these questions from people about shrubs and trees. And I wanted to do a shrub book because shrubs are not as popular right now as trees and perennials are. So I thought, well, this would be great. And I also teach a shrub class at Longwood Gardens. So this would work out perfectly. And in there, I talk about, you know, the establishment of hedges and hedgerows. Where, where did they come from? The historical significance of those. Um, you know, what's the culture of and why shrubs are important? Because they fill the same spaces that humans fill. You know, trees are taller than us. They're like homes. They're like our roofs over the, the, the canopy over our homes, or um, if you think of a tree, a large tree like that, anything else that's smaller and shrub-like is, is either the size of humans or it would be like our furniture size. So we're actually filling our landscape with furniture when we put shrubs in. And well, let me ask you a question about hedges, uh, just while I have it in my head. Uh, yeah. Now, we all know that uh, uh, ancient England, uh, all the castles, and you can picture all the hedges around those areas, but did it go back to, say, Roman times? 
It did. And I'm so glad you asked that question. That's a really great question. Hedgerows hedgerows really are remains of ancient forests that were left there by a a community of humans that were changing, transitioning from hunter-gatherers to agriculturists. And so when we talk about the uh, agronomic communities, they were not they didn't have to protect themselves. They were living in community with one another and they helped one another. So they would cut down a forest and leave a swath, uh, probably about 25 feet wide. And that swath would act not only for the animals to continue to travel through so that they could still hunt, but they could also uh, have their fields protected by strong winds, uh, to protect it from uh, water, losing water off the surface or erosion. And so hedgerows are really part of an ancient system predating feudal, feudal time. And it's not until feudal time that these hedgerows start to be utilized as a uh, defense mechanism. And there are some really fascinating uh, information in a book that I read from England about hedgerows. And they talk about during World War II and even before World War II, um, Hitler had uh, photographed all of England. So he knew where all the hedgerows were because that was a type of defense mechanism and how he was going to utilize those hedgerows for his for his armies so he he could in theory kind of sneak up on them exactly and but what he didn't know was that the english were already digging holes and using the hedgerows as a way to um when they had air raids they would use the hedgerow and be able to dig down they actually had rooms underneath some of the hedgerows so that people could be protected and people don't even know this wow that's incredible Uh, so that's really cool um and so at that and then hedges came along just regular hedges came along once people started acquiring property and buying property or were given property by the king or queen the the only way they could delineate it from the peasants was to put up a hedge of plants So those hedges would be maybe one or two different types of plants, and that was to keep the peons away from the wealthy. Uh, Let me ask you about uh, your podcast. Uh, I I have a podcast myself here, and uh, I wanted to know how you're on different kind of platforms, and uh, I wanted to kind of get into your head as to how the different platforms are doing for you. Uh, ease of use, those kind of things, because well, we have a lot of podcasters out there, and uh, you know your your information could be valuable to them. Well, I belong to an organization called GardenCom, which are garden communicators, and Garden Communicators is a global organization, and uh, we 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 share a lot of information with one another. And I was asked to come on to a podcast down in Washington, D.C. by Kathy Gents, who does the the Washington Gardener magazine. And she said, I'd like you to come on to my podcast to um, uh, talk about your book. And I, and I said to her, I said, well, that would be great. And I said, I'm thinking about starting a podcast, but I don't know anything about it. And she said, well, she is on the Anchor platform. And she said, it's really easy. And So that's know, where I, you started out with uh, Anchor.fm. I did, but here's the really interesting thing. I have a son who is a, a sound engineer in Hollywood, and I was having a horrible time uh, editing my own work. So 
I said to him, I need your help. Um, and he does, he does this kind of work. So he, he said, I'll, I'll edit your podcast, sure, mama, I'll do that. And so he, um, he not only edits my podcast, but he also uh, keeps me in line and tells me how to make my show better. Uh, he also did the music, the beginning music for the podcast, which oh, is great. Um, uh, really clever how he, he did it. But it's really, it's really great because, you know, he also went to acting school, has an engineering degree in, you know, in sound. And he said, you know, when you are working on a podcast, he said, you really need to be mindful of, you know, the person that you're talking to and, and you know how you present yourself and and i still need to get a new light you notice that this dark over on this one side you yeah. have great lighting uh, uh, i still haven't i still haven't gotten all the lighting and i'm, I'm getting it a piece at a time I, just right one exactly. at a time you know one at a time and so i'm working on getting a backdrop for my for my uh, area and uh, the different types of microphones and yeah. he's really savvy that way and I, and I think that it's important to have a connection with someone who is a sound engineer because they can give you information and there's a lot of people out there that do music and they also are um, uh, they're starting out in the sound industry so you know you can approach them they're very approachable especially here in philadelphia we've got a lot of young people who are going into sound who just want to have uh, to help somebody with their sound so yeah. that's a good way to get started uh, it's great to have somebody in the family who uh can actually help you out with that it, it is. I think and, we're both fortunate in that arena. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really great. And, you know, when, when someone says to you that, you know, they, they want to do something that's atypical, sound engineering was atypical. You know, he packed up his bags and left because he was doing theater and um, uh, lighting and managing uh, theater companies. And then when he left, he said, I'm going, I want to become a sound engineer because he has always been passionate about sound he's been one of those kind of people that has been interested in sound since he's been two years old uh so you know you get somebody like that he's very helpful and i'm, I'm appreciative of that you know uh eva where can we find your podcast our podcast is on anchor you could find it or you can also find it on um my uh, my business um my business uh, website, which is Verdant Earth Educators. And you'll see uh, on the top of the tab of uh, podcasts and videos. And it's there also. And I, I, I think we're on, I think now seven or eight different platforms. And wow. An Anchor, does, Anchor does all that work for you. They get all your, um, they get all your platforms for you when you go onto Anchor. Oh, and it really? Is, and it is hmm. free. It's yeah. free. That's so fantastic. That's, that's really helpful for somebody else who wants to do a podcast too. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to have to look into that. Like I need more work over the weekend, right? <laughs> well, well, you know what? I think anybody who has a podcast or does um, creative things is working all the time, whether it's Saturday and Sunday, you kind of carve out <laughs> your, your time that you want to be away, you know? So I think it's kind of cool. So also they can go to the website, evamonheim.com, and that, that also has a link to your book. 
that has a link to my book. Yes, it does. And I, I, I'm very, I'm very conscious about people's budgets. So there's lots of different um, places that you can go that'll take you to um, different purveyors that carry the book. Uh, I'm sure you're all aware of the big one that's out there that everybody sure. <laughs> uh, utilizes, but there's also others. And the book is available in Australia, England, and Canada too. So there's, there's listings for those book stores as well. Once again, uh, the website, evamonheim.com and also verdanteartheducators.com is the other right. website. Uh, Eva Monheim, I uh, hope to have you on again very soon. What I would like is for you to be out in the wild next time. Take, take your phone <laughs> and we'll do a, and you can actually show us the parts of the trees and, and why they're important. We could certainly, we could certainly do that. And I, I usually go for walks and on my, I, I have an Instagram account uh, under my name, Eva Monheim. Excellent. And you can go on there every day and I put a new tree or shrub on there so that you can learn it. Um, these are for my fellow arborists out there or people who are, uh, are amateur um, plant people who want to learn more about a tree or shrub. I like to, I like to share my knowledge and that's on Instagram. Well, I think everybody would be interested in that, Eva. So uh, try and include us uh, lay people in, in, in your nature exploration. I think it's important. I think it's, I think it's really important, John, because, um, you know, we are, we, if we own a home, we should know what's out there in our garden. Uh, and if we're, if we're out in the woods and we're taking a walk, and we know at least one or two of the trees that we're passing, we always feel more connected to the environment. And I think that's really important. Eva, thanks so much for being on the show. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, you too. And folks, when we come back, we have more for you here on Ralston Live. Uh, it's through 98.5 WXPM. And we also... Uh, post these interviews on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ralston Live. And if you're interested in coming on the show, you can go to our Facebook page and message me directly through the Ralston Live uh, page at Facebook. And if you have a story, folks, we want you here on the show. So we'll see you next time right here on Ralston Live.